Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hola, hola, hola. Hello, people. La función va a empezar. Ya llegó la diversión. Don't interrupt me, por favor. Hoy es un día feliz. ¿Qué tal, Lisa Button? ¿Cómo estamos por Boston? Hola, todo bien aquí en Boston. ¿Qué tal? Muy bien, a punto de saludar. We're going to say hello to Nick Leiber. We're going to go to Brooklyn on the air. Let's see if it works. Hello, Brooklyn, Nick Leiber. Brooklyn in the house. Brooklyn in the house. Ok, one, two, three. Los tres mosqueteros. Aquí estamos. Don't interrupt me, por favor. ¿Qué está pasando en la vida? ¿Cómo vais? Bueno, acabo de llegar de Tucson otra vez. Uh, fui para allá para trabajar en un proyecto y... Siempre que voy a Tucson me, me encanta, veo muchos amigos y que, muy queridos. Qué suerte poder moverse de un lado de un lado para otro. Perdona que te interrumpa Nick Leiber, sé que tienes algo importante que decir, pero digo que una de las grandes suertes, ¿no? Uh, one of the best in of this country is so big, you know, you can move from one world to another world and still be in the same place. Uh, ¿Qué dices, Nick? Perdona. No, iba a preguntar a Lisa qué tal el proyecto, si va, si va bien, si lo ve... Are you running, Lisa? Are you running? Because so many people running right now for 2020 that maybe you're joining the, <laughs> the, the ticket someplace. I don't know. Not me. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm uh, possibly going to be involved in a new magazine. Stay tuned. We might have a Southwest Bureau. That's, that's all I'll say right now. Well, I'll be fun. Anyways, yeah. anyways, I was, as you know, I was in the Philippines for, you know, almost three weeks. And uh, it was an amazing experience that I would like to share with you guys, of course, and with uh, people who listen to. Don't interrupt me, por favor. Es la experiencia de unas semanas viviendo en un basurero, en un pueblo que está en un basurero. Uh, it's a little village in a dam site in the Philippines, in the island of Mindanao. And um, I thought to introduce the subject, just try to give you a very general picture of what I was doing there and why I was there. I was there with an organization called Action Against Hunger, Acción contra el Hambre España, in Action Against Hunger is fighting, of course, against hunger. But the reason I was there is because they wanted my brother and myself to film, uh, do a film so kids in school can, you know, uh, see the reality and start the conversation and hopefully find out what Action Against Hunger wants. Their goal is to uh, let us know everybody that hunger doesn't mean, okay, he's hungry, here's a banana, okay, he's hungry, here's a plate of lentils. Uh, being hungry sometimes means, you know, losing the self-esteem. Sometimes means uh, you don't have enough uh, milk in your breast to feed your baby. Sometimes means you don't have education. Sometimes means your brain is going to be permanently damaged for the rest of your life and you're n never going to be able to navigate the world at the same level of uh, your peers. So it's a social thing. And the funny thing that I learned there is like it's a social issue. is huge. is horrible. It's uh, really bitter. But it's not so difficult to fight against it. It's just so all we need is to really, the will, you know, the, la voluntad de querer hacerlo. Uh, you know, anyways. So, 
Acción contra el hambre, Action Against Hunger España, is nominated for a, an award, a very important award in Spain. It's called Príncipe de Asturias. It's the, the award of Príncipe de Asturias de la Concordia. So uh, it's for organizations who've done stuff around the world trying to help human beings. And I think Action Against Hunger deserved that, uh, uh, that award. So they asked many people who have been related to Action Against Hunger to write letters on behalf of them for the jury so they can consider the, uh, the position. And I wrote my letter. It's in Spanish, but I would like to read it to you so it puts a little in perspective why I think this thing is important and why what we're doing there has some meaning. So, Adelante. Pues adelante. Nick, ¿me permites también, por favor? Yo, sí, con muchas ganas. Pues allá voy. Dice, está dirigido obviamente a, a los miembros del jurado de la Fundación Princesa de Asturias ahora mismo, porque yo también me pierdo en el tiempo. Era un príncipe, pero el príncipe se volvió rey y ahora la, la princesa de Asturias es su hija. Eh, estimados miembros del jurado, escribo esta carta para manifestarles mi sincero apoyo a la candidatura de Acción contra el Hambre al premio Príncipe de Asturias de la Concordia. Ni puedo ni pretendo yo aquí ilustrarles con datos y estadísticas la enorme repercusión que supone la labor diaria de los miembros de esta organización sobre el terreno y en 50 países en la lucha contra reloj por erradicar el hambre en el mundo. Doy por hecho que otros les habrán aportado ya con mayor sabiduría y mayor detalle los hitos técnicos y sociales impulsados por Acción contra el Hambre en su revolucionaria apuesta de considerar la alimentación y la nutrición como condición necesaria para la paz mundial. Si me permiten, y dado que el galardón se otorga a quienes ayuden a conseguir la armonía entre las personas, les voy a narrar brevemente mi experiencia personal con ellos. Acabo de pasar tres semanas colaborando en su proyecto del barangay de Papandayán en la isla de Mindanao, Filipinas. Un poblado ubicado en un basurero al que llegan todas las mañanas una hilera de camiones amarillos cargados de desperdicios sobre los que arañan con sus manos, descalzos, sobre la montaña de plástico, comida y desechos llegados del hospital, niños de 5, 6 o 10 años. Da igual la edad, llamémoslos adultos pequeñitos, porque una de las características que tiene la pobreza extrema es que a uno no le queda más remedio que hacerse mayor a toda velocidad. Papandayán está situado apenas a unos kilómetros de distancia de Marawi, la próspera ciudad de comerciantes a orillas del lago Lanao, que fue tomada hace dos años por ISIS y bombardeada hace uno y medio por orden del presidente Duterte, hasta convertirla en un amasijo de hierros, cemento y el puñado de cuartillas escritas a mano que sobrevuelan las ruinas cada vez que se levanta viento del este. En Marawi, que ha provocado la pérdida de sus hogares y el desplazamiento a 200.000 personas, Hoy solamente se pasean camiones del ejército cargados de soldados y un perro cojo que no entiende cómo perdió la pierna ni qué habrá sido de sus amos. El motivo que me llevó a mí hasta esta tierra, casi 500 años después de que arribara a sus costas Legazpi, era el de intentar retratar en una película junto con mi hermano el director de cine Javier Fesser a un monstruo invisible que habita entre los más desfavorecidos, pero se empeña en pasar desapercibido, el hambre crónica, y creo que lo encontramos. Gracias a Acción contra el Hambre he comprendido que la solución a la hambruna va mucho más allá de proporcionarle proteínas al escaso plato de arroz que toman los habitantes de Papandayán como dieta diaria. Arroz y los huesos de pollo o los restos de comida basura, nunca mejor dicho, que encuentran dentro de las cajas blancas de poliestireno de algún fast food de pollo frito, tan popular en el mundo musulmán, que caen manchadas entre los desechos que arrojan los camiones. El hambre invisible, el hambre crónica, el hambre constante y diaria es un mal social que sufren en silencio. Y sus repercusiones van más allá de la ausencia de comida. Es un estigma social que te mina la autoestima, que te arranca de cuajo las expectativas que pudieras albergar sobre el futuro de tus hijos, que te hace sentirte solo, innecesario, indeseado, incapaz de producir leche para alimentar a tu bebé y continuar con el ciclo de la vida. 
He sido testigo de la evolución técnica de algunos de los programas implantados por Acción contra el Hambre, tanto en Papandayán como en el cercano campo de refugiados de Sarimanok. He asistido a repartos de alimentos, a controles de salud, a clases sobre prevención e higiene, al reparto concreto de ayuda a algunas madres, pero sobre todo, y para mí sin duda lo más importante, he sido testigo de las sonrisas que estos programas crean a diario en el centro mismo de lo que llamamos el infierno. Sugiero el premio Princesa de Asturias a la Concordia para Acción contra el Hambre, quizás no porque vayan a terminar pronto con los problemas infinitos de zonas del mundo, como la que hoy pongo aquí de ejemplo, y cuyas resoluciones han de obedecer más a unas políticas adecuadas y justas propiciadas por sus propios gobiernos. Propongo el premio Princesa de Asturias a la Concordia para Acción contra el Hambre porque en estos lugares en que no existe la esperanza consiguen que los niños de 5, de 7, de 12 años, entre camión y camión de basura, entre reparto y reparto de desperdicios, entre los prolongados momentos de recoger chatarra en la mugre y cargarla en pesados sacos colina arriba hasta la choza en que los adultos la pesan y clasifican para su posterior venta, en los momentos que esos niños tienen, digamos, por definirlo de alguna forma de descanso, consiguen que desplieguen al viento sus cometas. Cometas elaboradas con las bolsas de plástico y las gomas de pelo que llegan a diario en los desechos y que les hacen recordar que son niños y tienen derecho a una sonrisa. Si algo he aprendido en estas tres semanas de estancia en Mindanao gracias a Acción contra el Hambre es que gran parte de la pobreza de este mundo y los problemas asociados a ella de criminalidad, salud pública, analfabetismo se solucionarían con muy poco, básicamente con agua potable y acceso a la educación, porque la mayoría de los pobres no quieren ser ricos, solamente piden tener dignidad, y porque la felicidad verdadera se encuentra en algo tan asequible como un abrazo, una caricia, un simple vuelo de cometa, un simple vuelo de cometa basta para restaurarle la autoestima a un ser humano. Por ello les solicito que consideren la candidatura de Acción contra el Hambre como un premio por restaurar la dignidad de tantos seres humanos. Porque remarcar su labor con tan prestigioso galardón supondría una oportunidad inestimable para mandarle desde Asturias al mundo un mensaje que, no por olvidado, deja de ser fundamental. Que el éxito no aparece cuando acumulamos pertenencias, sino que a la vez que volteamos la cabeza y nos tropezamos con la mirada de aprobación de unos padres, de unos amigos, de unos hijos, de una compañera que se siente orgullosa de nosotros. Un mensaje sencillo y que si supiéramos aplicar a nuestras vidas, no solamente nos dejaría más tiempo para disfrutar de ellas, sino que además les abriría las puertas a poder incorporarse a esta fiesta a mucha gente. Gente que no puede ir duchada a una entrevista de trabajo y a la que no van a coger porque no tuvieron la posibilidad de aprender ni siquiera a juntar letras. Gente, al menos algunos tan maravillosa, como Amenudín, Yunaisa o Yaser, los niños del barrio de Papandayán, en la isla de Mindanao, archipiélago de Filipinas, al que he llegado yo casi 500 años después del explorador Legazpi, con mi hermano Javier Fesser y de la mano de Acción contra el Hambre, para rodar una película que estoy deseando ya estrenar en el basurero, sentado en el suelo y con pipas saladas a poder ser, como en nuestros añorados cines de verano. ¿Cómo es la canción? Catawan para un chucho mamá, Saraña, Kaitna, Dico, Kalala, Munde de Longisipo, Lala, Pitambakita, Bagana, Sakaliga, Mapor, Nada, Bakamunanga, Alesa, Pesto, Muma, Irobra, Akoimo, Por Nada, Music, oh, 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 Irakoma, Irobra, Inkuba, Alankura, la Pitambakita, Lala, Pitambak, Bagamawala, Mawala, Mawala. 
Para mí lo más importante, uh, the most important thing to me is that, I, I don't know, you heard that, I, I hope so, the giggling and the, and the laughter and the no? little smiles. These guys are Yasemin, I mean, Yasser and Amenuddin. Uh, both of them, they're eight years old. Every morning, seven o'clock in the morning, they go to the, you know, down their houses who are on top of the dam site. I think Nick put a, a, a picture on uh, Radio Kings and Facebook that you can see actually the village. The village is right there. It's not like there's a village who works in a dam site. The village is in the dam site on top of all that. And on one side, the trucks will come every morning, the yellow trucks. And these two kids and many others will go down some have the fortune to have uh, rubber boots, never their size, so they have to, you know, stack their paper and garbage bags and whatever, so the, <laughs> you know, the, their feet don't move too much inside. Some of them bare feet, and they go there and they scratch, and they look for, you know, little metal scraps, some uh, plastic, some uh, bottles that they can, you know, sell and help their family to survive. But in that horrible picture, there's moments like the one you heard there's uh, hope, and that's what these people are doing. They're going there to say, hey, you're a human being, you have dignity, you have the right to play. And yeah, you work here, uh, you don't have a shower, you have that. While we try to provide you with this, hopefully we're gonna provide you with dignity, and I think that's the most important that we can give to human beings. Guillermo Fester, thank you so much for sharing your reflections about your experience in Mindanao with us. I have a question for you. When you first got the phone call, I imagine, from your brother, Javier. What went through your mind when he said, I've gotten a call about this project? What did you think when Javier proposed this idea to you? Well, it's a mingle of emotion for many things. But I will say this project is number three of two other projects that have been done, two other short films, and they've been done in the same way. In the first film, uh, what I think is the most beautiful film I've ever seen in my whole life. I don't have any input. I mean, my brother did it in Senegal with his team. And that was UNICEF calling. Uh, they wanted the same story. They wanted to discuss in schools, in what we call the first world, the importance of girls attending school. So he went there and did the, the film. And the way he did it, instead of doing a documentary, uh, I remember that was part of the discussion. I can have some input in that. Uh, we were thinking, instead of doing a documentary, because the documentary is great, but it's limited to a certain, only a certain kind of people are gonna go see documentaries. Most people like to see fiction. And only uh, uh, certain uh, venues are gonna play documentaries. More people play uh, fiction. So why don't you go there, see the reality, look at things that are happening, and use their actual people to act as themselves and put the story together. So it's like going and doing a puzzle, and that's what we did the third time here, and I'm gonna tell you what we did in the, uh, in the middle project, but I mean, we went to the Philippines, so we didn't have a budget. I mean, we were like pro bono, everybody, doing the best we can. So we write the script. Sorry to interrupt you, um, don't interrupt me, for favor. how many of there are you? It's a team of five people in the Philippines. It's really small. So Javier is a director. In this case, I was the co-director. That's another okay. emotion because I've been working with my brother many years, uh, mostly writing. He's a filmmaker, I'm a journalist. We've been writing together, but this time he, he decided that we can direct this thing together. For me, it was like, wow, this is great. So we did it and, and it was beautiful in, in that level too. But it's not easy to work with your brother as anybody who's got a brother or sister knows. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was beautiful to work with my brother. I mean, we went through so many things, up and downs and far away and very close. And I think we're in the spot that we were meant to be in. It's beautiful. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But anyways, we go to a refugee camp and we interview, you know, a woman who's telling us the story that she lost her husband last year in, in the war in Marawi. They used to live in this beautiful house. And now, you know, she lives in the refugee camp with the kids and she's desperate. She would like to go home, but the house, there's no way this can be recouped. It's going to be grounded, this, that. We think that's a powerful story. So guess what? We go that night and we start writing the script. In a refugee camp called Sirimanok, a lady called, you know, is missing her house in Marawi. And that's the way we do. And we are driving through uh, the streets of Marawi and somebody comes in a tuk-tuk and a bike and one of those motor scooter vehicles that is yeah. so funky. Yeah. Hey, 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 can you stop? Please, 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 can we use your bike? And 99% <laughs> of the times when we say it's a pro bono thing is to show people in the world that you're not like, you know, uh, nobody's. And actually, there's a lot to learn from you. Like, there's a lot to learn from anybody else. They're willing to help. So these guys will provide the motorcycle. Then we'll so it's fun. It's, uh, it's fun because it's a, what a fun way of knowing a country, of knowing the people. I mean, I'm, I tell people, no, I've been living in a, they say, how's, how's Philippines? And I kind of feel embarrassed saying, well, I've been living in a dump site for three weeks. I don't know. But you know what? Yeah. I made friends. I got amazing experiences. I laughed so much. It was great. It was, you know, it's in every other level. I mean, it's human beings living in that condition. I don't want them to live in that condition. I'll do anything I can do to help them, you know, but it's still, it's human beings with dignity. That's what we don't, we, we, we forget sometimes. Well, you know, Guillermo, I've known you for many years and I know you've traveled all around the world, but I will say to you that when I started seeing your tweets and posts on social media when you were in the Philippines, I could tell this experience was really touching you profoundly. Yeah, because it's a, it's little kids too. You know, I mean, it's like anybody who's been a father, anybody who's been a mother. Uh, like the first day we were in the in the site, the producer gave us gloves and gave us a mask, uh, because I'm telling you, I, for the first three days, I wanted to puke every five minutes. Uh, you can, I mean, you know, I mean, who well. who goes to a dump site and start walking around and and I'm telling, you, it's not like recycling stuff like in our society right now. It's no plastic bags. It's everything like. <laughs> You know, there's no bags there. Nobody has a plastic bag. And people put the, in, a, in a bucket, the, you know, whatever is left over, and the bucket goes to the truck, and that's the way it goes. And here comes a truck from a city, and here comes a truck from a hospital with bloody stuff, oh with a syringe. And they're walking with, around and barefoot? And they're walking around then. And I'm walking there, and it's like, you know. But, I mean, three hours later, I said, so I'm going to see a kid, a five-year-old here, who's barefoot here, working with her, and then having a mask and a glove. Forget it, man. So, no. you know. You go, and you try not to be silly and step and stuff that you shouldn't step, but, I mean, you go there. And I was talking to a, a doctor about smells and stuff. He said, no, the brain is savvy. You know, I mean, two days later, I mean, you're saturated with that smell. You don't smell it anymore. And true enough, I mean, two days later, I was there, and I forgot it was, a, you know, it was like a working site. It wasn't a dump wow. site anymore. And I love how you told the story about that they just, 
you know, made kites out of found objects. It's like kids are kids. They're going to find a way, you know, it's like water finds a way around the rocks. Well, definitely. And the kids are going to find a way to make their own happiness. That, that garbage is their Amazon. You know, you anything you want, you go to Amazon.com and you order and it comes, you know, prime customer and you have it 24 hours later. Anything they want is right there. I mean, garbage comes with all sort of objects. Broken, destroyed, ugly, whatever, but all sort of object. And they know how to use it. Mostly anything they own, their clothing, their food, their toys, everything comes from there. And they have an ability, uh, these little kids, of making kites out of nothing. Like uh, they get a plastic, they get a couple of rubber bands, they get the boom, 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 boom. And you see every, in between the trucks coming, you see all those kids giggling, running with the kites, uh, who get it higher, who got it faster. And it's so beautiful. It's like, you know what? I wish my kids have been playing with kites like you guys and have been giggling, you know, because, you know, I mean, everything is relative, right? I don't want my kids to live in a dumb site, right? But I want my kids to understand that life is not about being on a phone all the time. I, I, I mean, the human contact that we lost and they have is something to, uh, to think about, too. As you're getting to know these kids and as you're spending these weeks in the dump, you're also trying to put together a story that will show the outside world the humanity of these kids. And how are you doing that? And ultimately, you want to have a story that the outside world will, will be able to see and be able to understand these people. When we're showing uh, the footage to the responsible of Action Against Hunger in Manila, we were like down south in the island of Mindanao. Uh, Manila is very Catholic. The Spanish were there for, you know, 300 plus years. So religion is one of the big things that they left there, the same way they left in Latin America. So the country is very Catholic, except for the South. The South is Muslim. The South, uh, Mindanao Island, except for the, for the east part that is very Spanish, and actually they spoke a broken Spanish still called Chavacano. But the, the center and the hardcore of the island is Muslim. They came from Brunei, and they, it's a different story, and that's where the country, some of sections of the country are asking for independence, and they have their problem. That's why ISIS was there, and that's why Duterte, the president, said, forget about ISIS, no mercy, and he bombed a huge, beautiful, amazing city that is grounded. It's so, it's so painful. It's 200,000 people, refugees, anyways. Um, when we presented the, the, the footage to, uh, to the guy in Manila, I said, well, it looks great. It's funny, this, that. But, I mean, when are you going to talk about hunger and all that? I said, no, you don't understand. We don't want to do a documentary. We don't want to talk about hunger and stuff. We're going to show a place where you see that, and you're going to see nice people having uh, their relation, their problems, like anybody else. Somebody being funny, somebody being an asshole, somebody being that, uh, some drama. Hopefully, you're going to love these characters. You're going to feel for them. And then, because you're going to see what they're going through, you're going to be aware and ready to talk about that. And that's uh, one, the movie's over, then you action against hunger. The teacher in the class, whoever, start the debate about, hey, what well, we've seen this, what do you think, how these kids live, what do you think they, they think, what they think, why they suffer, what can we do? But we don't have to give the message in the movie. So the movie is like, let's say, the hook that will put people in front of a, of a screen to watch, hopefully, what is going to be, I hope so, a beautiful movie. But that's the idea, right? Javier and I said, our goal is to make a funny, interesting movie, and then they can do the rest. And that's what he did in Senegal. 
that's what we did in the Andes in Peru, uh, you know, two, three years ago with a movie that is now, um, you can find it on, uh, on YouTube and it's called Welcome, Bienvenidos. And it's the same story. We went to the Andes uh, with the idea that uh, there were 70,000 schools in Latin America without electricity. So there was a big program to try to bring electricity to the schools. And somebody said, some government said, well, we, while we bring uh, electricity, why don't we bring internet too? Sure, let's do that. So to promote that project, to be uh, that movie useful for fundraising for that project, we went there and we did the same story. Kids who were like walking five hours a day from their house in top of the Andes to the school and five hours a day walking back to their house. Imagine, five hours walking, five hours walking, plus the school. Plus, when they get home, they have to work and help the families. So anyways, but, that's, but, but those kids were playing, those kids were having fun. So the whole thing is attractive, it's beautiful, it's tender, and then you open your heart and, uh, and talk about something else and you can help you help, right? There's well, you know, I think that without... Oh, no, no, she interrupted I interrupted you. Don't interrupt I interrupted you. Hey, I just want to throw in that I think with those that kind of approach... Like you say, you set it up then, and you, you puedes hablar de la, del número de, de niños que viven en la pobreza extrema, que he, he visto cifras como 400 millones de niños en todo el mundo que viven en la pobreza. Pero si empiezas con esos números, la gente no puede absorber esa realidad. ¿Sabes lo que yo creo? I think the, uh, the important thing that I... I won't tell people that's what I did. That's what I'm trying to do, and hopefully we'll show in the movie. I think when you change the narrative from charity to justice, people understand. If you're in the charity way, it's like, oh, 40,000 people are starving. Oh, 35,000 people this. Oh, oh, let's help. Oh, I'm so poor. Help me, help me. This is charity. So maybe you don't pay attention. Maybe you give me $5 and you leave. But what is about social justice? It's like, you know, why this guy doesn't go to school? Like your kid goes to school. Oh, maybe. So when you change the narrative into justice, I think it works. And hopefully, you know, put in that movie, you see that it's an injustice. Why this kid is, is going through that? He's a nice guy because, you know, the narrative sometimes is like, and we know in this country right now, sometimes it's like the poor, besides being poor, I mean, they're criminalized. And it's like, oh, they're lazy. They're there because they're lazy. Oh, they're there because they don't want to work. Oh, they're there because they're criminals. Oh, they're there because, uh, man... No, they're there because they're poor and there's no way to get out of there. And out of those poor, and don't get, I'm not naive, I'm sure there's a criminal there or two, or maybe three. But I mean, that's a mean of the whole community, you know, the same way there's a criminals among our, our own communities. But I mean, they're nice people who just didn't, didn't have a choice. And let's be real, I think in this country, we've never had a national conversation about poverty, maybe in previous decades, but not for a very long time. We're going to play the, the first song. Vamos a poner la primera canción porque es algo gracioso que nos va a permitir hablar de idiomas. As I said, in, uh, in the Philippines, there's an area, Zamboanga, where the people still speak uh, broken Spanish. And I have a song in Chabacano, the local language, that people who speak Spanish pay attention. Uh, they're going to understand a lot of words and a lot of things in there. So it'll be funny. Let's hear the Chabacano. <laughs> Ahora mi corazón está sufrir 
curioso de, de repente estar en las Islas Filipinas y es curioso, lo digo como español, porque la gente que salió de España hace 500 años se tiró 300 y pico en Filipinas y yo como español no sé nada de la historia de Filipinas, no me han contado nunca nada de la historia de Filipinas, pero lo curioso es que Filipinas, cuando ocurrió la guerra eh, entre Estados Unidos y España en 1898 eh, los eh, estadounidenses cogieron Manila y a partir de ahí Filipinas se convirtió en territorio de Estados Unidos y los filipinos actualmente no se acuerdan nada tampoco de la tradición española porque los norteamericanos, los siguientes que estuvieron por allí, se encargaron de borrarla, ¿no? Entonces esta gente habla, dice basura, dice matrona, dice profesor, dice trabajo, dice salario, dice vete a la mierda, dice, por ejemplo, cuando pedir un crédito, en este idioma chabacano pedir un crédito al banco se dice pajodé. Imagínate tú de dónde viene bajo de, de dónde puede venir. Bueno, ellos no tienen ninguna relación con lo español, no saben. O sea, se, cuando dicen, eh, llama contigo la profesora, y yo lo entiendo, alucina. Ah, habla chavacano, que no, que no, que es que es, es español. Creo, creo que nos vamos, señores. Time to, time to say goodbye. Gracias. Yeah, what I can't wait to see the movie, man. It's a lot of work. Neither can we. That'd be great. But uh, we can invite on our Facebook or our Twitter uh, to the listeners if they want to check out the previous two movies, uh, Binta and Bienvenidos. Anyways, bye, Lisa. Bye, Nick. Bye, Nos vamos. Hasta luego. Bye, Warren. It's been fun to be here. Radio Kingston. Bye, bye. Adios. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.